Welcome to Formula Wolf on Food and Wine. I'm Tony Foreman. And Chef Cindy Wolf. So, Cindy, I was thinking the other day, I was, I was standing and looking out of my kitchen window and looking at all the trees, which are great, mm-hmm. and thinking about all the other vistas that could potentially be there out of my <laughs> kitchen window that I'm not seeing this summer. Right. You know, it's like I, I, I took a vacation early in the summer that was very nice, but traveling just makes you want to travel more, right? I agree with that. Wholeheartedly. Or what, or what if you're stuck? What if you're stuck in a radio studio and you can't travel? And you can't travel. And you can't travel. And you have to use your imagination. Like our poor producer, Luke, is not allowed to travel. Poor no, Luke. I don't know that he's not allowed. We should have taken him with us on our various vacations so he wouldn't be That's a great idea stranded for, for, for in some years in the future. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like well, our child, a child. But I was thinking, like, I was leading a rich fantasy life in the kitchen as I, as I have. <laughs> <laughs> and. I was thinking, oh, I really wanted to get to the Dolomites. Why Ugh. Why can't I get there also this summer, I right? I would like to get to the Dolomites. Or I really want to go back to a beach in Sicily. I really wanted to get there this summer. That would be hot. That would be so hot. It is hot. Whoosh. I'll tell you what. Whammy. It's it hot is, enough here, Tony. It is You really want to go hot. to Sicily? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's a good place to go in your imagination then. No, but- Right it, now. No, it's, it's an amazing place. It's not warmer than Baltimore in the middle place. of the summer. Well, and the seafood. Oh, my gosh. The seafood right, there. Right, Exactly. Brilliant, brilliant. So brilliant. Uh, you know, and the so, tomatoes. So I was thinking, well, oh gosh, it would be so great to get the Sicilian the, little those little cherry tomatoes on the vine. So Ooh, what, baby? So what do I do? I want to make a dinner. Okay. I invite neighbors and I say, "We're having a Sicilian you know, we're, dinner. We're going to go to Sicily. I'm going to get." Go. That sounds good. I'm, so what's I'm, your wine choice going to be? Let's just start there. Oh well, there are a couple. Um, obviously, <laughs> there, there's some very sure. very good caracante being made these days up on the Mount Etna, and caracante is one of these ancient grapes that you see. Uh, in Sicily that are considered relatively indigenous that all came out of the Tigris and Euphrates. It's about 3,000 years it's been growing there. Not the vine itself, the vines themselves, but the the grape varietal. So it's very adapted to the place. Mm-hmm. So when produced well, it does very, very well. But maybe caracante to start and maybe just a nice seafood crudo. You know, just brilliant seafood, raw, um, maybe tuna, maybe making me think of you know, like bluefin tuna out of the Mediterranean. Mm-hmm. That sort of a thing. And we're getting our very first, you know, very first chilies in another week or two. So, but I have some, I also have some like pickled Calabrian chilies I put up. But literally just those two things and a nice fat slice of peach, mm. mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, that sounds, the big, peaches are so big, good right now. So I would take a, a very thin lemon slice, a nice sweet one, and a thin peach slice and a big fat basil leaf. Because they're great right now, the ones that have been ripening mm-hmm. in the sun, you know. Mm-hmm. Take those guys and a, and a little bit of sea salt, and brush sea salt and olive oil on the piece of tuna, cut like sashimi, and wrap that in those leaves and have just a little bit of the, the, the pickled chili on the plate. And have that in a nice, rich, cold glass of caracante. That sounds good. As a place to start. You know, this morning I got a call from uh, Elena Basignani, and she, was, she said, Chef, we've got a whole bunch of squash blossoms. I'm coming. I was there in like eight minutes from my house. Gave me three bags of squash blossoms. And that, while I was up there, I had to, you know, sort of be nosy and look at their their uh, garden, which is huge. Oh, yeah. oh, my gosh. They have such a big garden. And I'm, I'm like, okay. Well, if you have a bunch of vineyards, it seems pretty reasonable that you would have a, 
a pretty darn good kitchen garden, right? Oh, yeah. And and he has – and you were talking about – you were just talking about peppers. And I believe he had jalapenos, but I'm not exactly sure. I didn't look at them that closely. But he had a bunch of beautiful peppers hanging on the vine there, so – on the plant. Um, and, um, yeah, but their garden is amazing, and they produce so many squash blossoms. I, I cannot wait to cook those tonight. They're so pretty, and they just smelled so good. And I was going to stuff them, but, I mean, I, I swear – I think I have, like, 100. So I'll give some to, you know – Guy across that's, the street. Sounds like a pretty nice Amos Bush. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. I'm like, you know what? I think this is going to be a light batter and just fried and a little fresh basil mayonnaise and call it a day. They don't need to be stuffed. When you have that many, just, just enjoy the blossoms. Yeah, thinking of zucchini flowers makes me think of <laughs> zucchini flowers up around Lake Como mm-hmm. in the middle of summer. You know, that's that's a great place to Gosh, go on vacation. And you get such a beautiful so place. Just, you can look up menus. You can think about dishes from those places. You can serve wines from those places. You know, right, that's right. I so, think I think my you know the, the second part of my Sicilian meal that I would do just while I was fantasizing I would I would serve either a grilled fish. Well, I think you're I guess you're obliged to serve pasta, and even just a small pasta. Those zucchini flowers can be awfully good mm-hmm. with very simple spaghetti mm-hmm. and not an egg spaghetti. You know, the dough from the south and the one that you make in the morning, hang it dry. You know, you even just make trophier is a fun little shape. Um, but that with lots of zucchini flowers and a little bit of the fresh garlic that's just come and um, and some of the cherry tomatoes that are around right now. That would be great. Nice acid. For a very simple, you know, very very simple vegetable pasta. I love fresh garlic. And then give me a, a nice dorado or uh, an orata to grill. Mm-hmm. Orata with, uh, with oil-cured black olives as a garnish and, and more lemon and marjoram, but just grill that whole fish and that's in a heartbeat. And... And frappato, you're asking about the, what, what wine to serve. Frappato is one of these things. It's, there's a there's a famous wine from the south of Sicily called Cerasuolo de Vittoria. Vittoria is one of the ports that faces Africa. And Cerasuolo is usually 60% Nero d'Avola, which is literally like black wine when it's when it's fermented and it, if it's lower yield. And frappato is imagine if strawberry juice could make you very drunk. You know, okay. <laughs> Take these two wines. I'd you like know, something to imagine that's like more that. serious than Zinfandel, <laughs> and and blend them together. Sixty forty, the black wine to the strawberry juice, right? The Nero d'Avola to the Frappato, and that's and that's Cerasuolo de Vittoria, and Cerasuolo is probably too much to serve for that fish, unless it's a, a, a really big mature orata. But the Frappato, a little bit cold, is really brilliant for that kind of thing. You were talking about uh, the tuna, and it just made me think of a terrine I used to make. And I, at this point, cannot remember who inspired it, but uh, it was a terrine that I would, you know, it's just all raw fish product with heirloom tomatoes and fresh basil. I think that was the, based on a Raja Verger thing is from the uh, south of France. Okay, yeah. I know Provence is where you want oh to go gosh. on the vacation yeah, in your Provence mind. Provence is, is my... Or you're inspired by the vacation that you took. Exactly, exactly. But that terrine was so good. And obviously it has to be eaten that day. But you put the, you know, really obviously sushi-grade quality tuna. And I, I we're using Big Eye right now, and it's really beautiful. Um, but then slices of the... 
the tomatoes starting on the bottom. Actually, you should probably put the basil leaves first. So big basil leaves, um, then slices of tomato, and you want to salt and pepper it, but you want to be light with it because obviously it's going to draw out the moisture in the tomato. And then the next layer is tuna, and then just keep going up to the top of the terrine. And you do need to weigh it down so that it um, is sliceable. So I usually just take a piece of cardboard, um, wrap it in foil, and put it on top of the mold and then um, the terrine mold. Just gently press it. And gently press it. Um, I have found that there there are some tomato containers that are the perfect size to just weigh it down. So and it's a good weight; it's not too heavy. But um, and then just turn it out, and after it's after it's uh, sat for a couple of hours, turn it out and and just slice it. And uh, I used to serve that with a goat cheese vinaigrette that was pureed goat cheese with a little bit of corn oil and extra virgin olive oil and sherry vinaigrette and salt and pepper, and serve it with frisé. And the combination of all those flavors. We're so good. So, but that dish is a, a Provencal dish that is maybe you're remembering because you were on vacation there. What's the vacation you didn't take? You know, what's what's the the place that you that you wish you were on vacation that maybe you'll invite people to, because you want to make a few dishes from a particular place. So, so where would you want to go uh, you that know, you, that you can't get? to? I can't get to Asturias in the northern part of Spain. So, I would really like to go back there someday. Ooh, but, my um, favorite blue cheese, Astorias, La Peral. La, oh, so good. And those beans are just the dish that we had. We we had lunch that day with a winemaker. Or no, it was a wine importer probably. And and um, we sat at the chef's table in the kitchen and had, what, you know, 14 courses or something. Are you talking about crazy lunch? Yeah, that was amazing. With a glass door in the kitchen? Exactly. Yes. So yes. So what dishes would you would you would you do? I would like to make their traditional bean dish, which was tomatoes and um the very large white bean and it had you know it had garlic and olive oil and all kinds of goodness in there and fresh herbs and uh, you know we had that lunch was so interesting because we had so many modern courses because of course they were that was at the height of molecular cooking when we were there and um you know, the influences were strong. And then he prepared a couple of very traditional old dishes from that region. And one of them was that bean dish. And I came, so home, gonna, I came back and immediately made it. So, And I had spent a long time since I made that. So I, I would make that for sure. Would you pair it with it some of the entire, science projects from that meeting? No, it would, no, there would be an entire Spanish dinner. So I would have, I would definitely have, you know, start with the barrico ham and, and then move to um, some sort of amazing Probably cuttlefish because I really – that was the first time well, I octopus, had cuttlefish. Octopus and cuttlefish you can get plenty of in Astorias. Right. And that was so amazing. So I would just do a very simple dish with that with preserved lemon and um, uh, good extra virgin olive oil and just have brilliant um, cuttlefish and then and then have the bean dish and then probably have some sort of lamb dish. Um, which I don't know that is necessarily traditional to there but certainly um, something that You get, you that get lamb be, there. I tell you, you get – Big octopus uh, off that coast, and you get great, great big lobsters. Fantastic Atlantic lobsters from off that coast. Well, and, that- this, you know, and I've got a, a lobster dish on my mind right now because we're getting the beautiful peaches and and um, stone fruits are are really strong right now, and I really, really kind of want to do that. That it's a lobster dish where it's butter poached lobster with a it's a vinaigrette of heavily reduced fresh lime juice, lemon juice, and orange juice. Um, with a little bit of butter poached garlic and shallot, and then um, the, the the local fruit on the plate, and uh, tender lettuces. You definitely want sweet lettuces like butter lettuce, and fresh tarragon, and a little bit of chervil. And that would be after you know, especially 
probably prior to the bean dish. Actually, I'd probably just do the beans with the lamb and then have the lobster course before that and have the cuttlefish before that and obviously start off with either serrano or barraco ham, thinly sliced. Yeah, those are sort of two different paths. Oh, yeah. Where else would you like to go in your your home vacation? You know, it's funny. A place I've never been that I desperately – it's in my brain now and I keep looking up what the traditional food is, is Patagonia. Mm. And they get they just get different fish down there, and there's a ton of game, and um, that's where a lot of you know there's so so much European immigration into Argentina. A lot of the Swiss and the Germans went down south. Even some English went down south. A lot of the French and the Italians and Spaniards went to Buenos Aires, and then into the rest of the country. But um, but Patagonia is on the brain, so. You know, and and the way that they cook with fire is super interesting yeah, to me. You know me, really I is. like mm-hmm. like fire and sources of fire and like big iron for heat and all this kind of stuff. So that that methodology, there is a, there's a way that they cook vegetables uh, down there in particular, butternut squash that they that they um, brush with vinegar and uh, and and garlic and honey, and then just roast in the embers from the fire. Mm-hmm. And then have that the next day. They, they go ahead and pull that out, and then with olive oil, almost like a, a mash kind of thing that they warm back up. That's that and parmigiano. That hmm. sounds just fantastic to me. Uh, a lot of the game down there. They have so many different game birds down there, and then and uh, and then goat, of course. You know that's something. It's now I think that's all over Argentina, but but down there there's a there's some different specialties with with what they do. And there's there's a lot more diversity of fruit in Patagonia than in the rest of Argentina. So you see a, a lot of instead of just being roasted simply, you see a lot of different fruit preserves, you know, and sometimes like unusual stuff, spicy fruit preserves and whatnot, being served with uh, roasted goat or the pulled meat, and uh, it's like simply fired breads and that kind of. Thing. So that's that's in my brain. I would like to do a meal in that in that range, or maybe you started with one of the ceviches that. Mm-hmm. They produce down there from, uh, and and oysters also. Like I've never had an oyster from down there, but I know they have, you know. And no, I don't want to eat a penguin, but I also want to see penguins <laughs> like in a natural habitat. And there are penguins down there, so that's pretty great. Um, so especially when it's like ninety-eight degrees outside, mm-hmm. and you know you're looking out into the the, the 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 green world you can't go into because it's too hot. Right. Thinking about cooking from like cool forests and waters and. You know, and, and and oysters out of cool waters, and and the prospect of going for a hike and seeing penguins, having that on my brain while I'm making a meal for friends, would be really interesting. And there's also actually like nice Pinot Noir from down there. Uh, there's some there there are Malbecs and there's Bonarda and some of the other grapes that you see in Argentina, but there's decent Pinot Noir and Pinot Blanc and and some of the cooler climate varietals. You know, it's not all like hot hot beach in Sicily in my brain in the summertime. I like cooler holiday idea. Absolutely. In fact, when we come back, we'll have uh, Wolfgang Rafer from Colterenzio Winery in the Alto Adige up in the Dolomites, mm-hmm. uh, a favorite place for both of us, and a brilliant producer of wines, and a young guy that can talk to us about the place and the dishes and the wine and the traditions there, and uh, and maybe our listeners can plan a vacation, <laughs> which would be nice, if not just have some fun with the ideas. All of that and more on Formula Wolf on Food and Wine on WYPR. Thank you.
Welcome back to Foreman Wolf on Food and Wine. I'm Tony Foreman. And Chef Cindy Wolf. And we have with us, as promised, uh, Wolfgang Reifer from uh, Coltorenzio in the Alto Arage in uh, north of Italy. Wolfgang, how are you? I'm fine, thank you very much. Uh, hello to all the, the listeners. <laughs> and I remember when you were were working with your dad and and, uh, and then with the chief winemaker for Coltorenzio, but now you're the managing director. You're the, you're the big boss now. In fact, I'm the big boss with all the responsibility. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's 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 uh, a testament to the quality orientation of Coltorenzio that you know you went through and learned all the details, and then and then you finally can be in in charge of things. How is how is summer in the Dolomites? Uh, the summer in the Dolomites this year is, of course, we have quite a nice climate climate as, as always in summer, but. We have to fight with a little bit of, of rain, especially in the, in the vineyard. So rain, uh, as you know, is uh, sometimes a problem with Peronospora and the Iridium, and uh, we are fighting, but uh, we, are, we are quite positive for the, for the vintage 2016. Our program, our, our theme was the summer vacations we wish we had, wish, wish we had, we had taken. The first thing okay. coming to my mind was, the, was visiting the Dolomites. Um, uh-huh. Because I love it and I love the cooking, and I know that Cindy's super fond of it as well. Absolutely, beautiful maybe, region. Maybe tell listeners about where in Italy you are. Um, what 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 are some of the basic things that they should know about the Alto Adige and its and its history, and what and maybe what wine growing is like there. Alto Adige is uh, the northest uh, one of the northest regions in Italy, and we're in the middle of high mountains. These high mountains are called uh, are called the Alps, uh, and are very important for means for the the scenery you see, but uh, as well as for the for the soil, for the for the climate we're having here. Alto Adige maybe is not the first uh, place you go to visit once you go to to Italy. Of course, uh, Italy you have the big cities, the historical cities, but the second or third time you should for sure come to visit us. Because you see a uh, uh, melting pot about the Mediterranean climate, <coughs> alpine uh, climate, and also the culture, because uh, we are on the border between, let's say, the, the Italian culture and the, and the German-speaking culture. So it's a really fusion that you should see, and you can see that in the food, you can see that in the, in the lifestyle, and, of course, you have the taste of the terroir also, also in the wine. And so in, in the Alto Adige, what do you think of the the most important dishes that people would look for? I think the, 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 the mostly typical dishes, uh, starting with starting with the vegetables we are, we are growing here <coughs> and, and after going through the, through the pasta dishes, we have some, some special pasta dishes that are like ravioli, we call schlutzkrapfen. It's a German expression and uh, means uh, mezzalune, mm-hmm. uh, filled up with, with spinach, that's it. And on the other side, we have uh, knödel, Knödel yes. is a mix of uh, <laughs> old bread, uh, vegetables, uh, onion, a little bit of uh, milk that are that are put together. They look like a snowball, <laughs> and you you cook them, and you can put different things in, from spinach to to cheese and so on. That's uh, 
two two dishes you have to taste once you're here. And maybe you can start with some spit, which is a, a, a dried mm. smoked ham. In Italy, we have different, in every part of Italy you go, there's different kind of, of uh, insaccati that are very well made. Uh, prosciutto crudo, you know for sure, it's the prosciutto crudo from San Daniele or from Parma, which is only air-dried. A stick is, uh, we have some, we put some spice on, we dry the air, but before we dry it, we smoke it. So that's something you have to taste for sure. And then, of course, venison, uh, game, uh, the grown, the grown cows here, all is really very good and genius. Yeah, I've had great cheese and yogurt and and uh, all the all the dairy from the Alto Water J is fantastic. And of course, you can you can mix this in a, in a beautiful way with the, with the wine we have here. So maybe tell us. So what are the varietals that people would know that they see there that that, that they would see in the Alto Water J? And what are the varietals that they may not know that they should know about from the Alto Adige? Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. So Alto Adige in the past was more red wine producing country, but in the last 30 things, a lot happened, and we became a white wine producer because, of course, we are the northern wine-growing region in Italy. So we have um, some local grapes and some, uh, let's say, international grapes that are uh, much more known. Uh, international grapes, probably your uh, people people know or should know is, is for sure the Pinot Grigio. Pinot Grigio does uh, we do a very good job with the Pinot Grigio here, as well as uh, with Chardonnay and, and Sauvignon. For sure, people know. But then we have varieties like Pinot Bianco, like uh, Gewürztraminer. Then we have in some little parts also some some uh, Silvana, some Kerner. Varieties that maybe are not so well known, but they show the variety we have in Alto Adige. Variety in, in climate, in soil types, but of course also in varieties of, of, of grapes. In midsummer in Baltimore, it's unbelievably hot and humid. That's Sylvaner and Kerner, two things I always want to drink in the midsummer here because it's so refreshing. I mean, um, beautiful, beautiful wines for this for 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 this uh, time uh, for sure. Alto Adige wines. Because uh, we're able to to combine the the richness of a uh, Mediterranean climate with the, with the freshness of the Alpine climate, so you always will have a very clean, nice, fresh fruit on the nose, and it doesn't fit it in the palate, which makes finally our wine suitable for for aperitivo, but uh, great also for to, to to match with the with the dishes. If I uh, should pick out a variety, <clears throat> for sure I can recommend a beautiful Pinot Bianco, but at the same time I can recommend also. Uh, very powerful Sauvignon we produce. So how about how about reds? How about reds? Uh, we have uh, two local varieties. Uh, I think the most important local variety we have is, is Lagrine. Lagrine is uh, something very deep colored, something very rich in, in aromas. It has a smell like like pepper, like uh, meat, like uh, chocolate. In the palate, it's a combination of, of strong tannins with a, with a good acidity. That's really a rough wine that, that shows you that shows you a strong character. And uh, this, I think, is uh, nice to discover from Italian wines because we have 600 uh, local varieties, and to discover them is, is beautiful. But the other side, we have the right climate for an international variety, which is, is doing very well here. It's Pinot Noir. We call it Pinot Nero. And uh, here we are able to go from a very lifestyle wine, so chill it a little bit before you drink it, to some very good and complex uh, Pinot Neros. 
that uh, are great for the Mediterranean cuisine. Now, his- historically, I was thinking one of the things that I like best about the region is that the history is very interesting. Historically, it was a red wine growing country through the the whole Tirol and the and, and the Alto Adige because it was always part of the Habsburg Empire, correct? Mm-hmm. Yes, and and, yes, there's, and there, there are very few sources for good red wine in a lot of that territory, so it was red. In Italy, uh-huh. there are only so many sources for, when, when, when the borders change, in Italy there are only so many sources for fresh whites. Yep. So what you guys have planted changes over. You're correct, you're correct. Um, it's we, first of all, because uh, Alto Adige, before World War First, as you said, were part of the Austrian Empire, we are we are speaking German too, and and we have a strong influence uh, from the from the German uh, culture. But at the same time, we became Italian, and uh, with that with that situation, we became the northern Italian wine growing region. And of course, uh, if you look at Italy in the south, naturally you're you're thinking more about wine. In the north, you're thinking more about the about the white wines. And uh, what is very popular in Italy too are the aromatic grapes, and so we. Focus very strongly on the on our local grape Gewürztraminer, which is a big success in, in 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 Italy. Maybe not so much in the rest of the world because our style of Gewürztraminer is not so well known as the Alsace style, which is completely different. So, at the next occasion, you should taste some Gewürztraminer from Alto Adige. I've always been very fond of the Gewürztraminer from the Alto Adige because the intensity is great and the richness is is great, but there is very good acid, and it's not as sweet a style as you see in other places around the world for Gewürztraminer. is but the original home is in the Alto Adige, correct? The original home is in Alto Adige. <clears throat> we have a, a small town in the southern part of Alto Adige. It's called Tramin. And uh, Gewürz finally means nothing else than spicy. So it's a spicy tramina. They call it spicy because if you, if you smell it, the Gewürztraminer, deep into where it grows, okay, deep into the soil and so on, you always find a, a, a very uh, elegant spiciness that uh, can move from very intense uh, spice to very, very sweet spice. And that, that's, the reason, uh, that's the reason of the name. And um, we, we discovered this variety many, many years ago, and especially for the Italian markets, uh, we, 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 we have now a variety that uh, everybody loves and um, uh, gives us a lot of success and allows us also to, to, to uh, let the people know the other varieties, the beautiful varieties we produce. Wolfgang, is there, as I recall, that your vines are trellised? Is that right? I just think it's good for people to understand how the farming aspect of of your grape work works. Uh, the, the farming, the farming we are doing <coughs> means uh, maybe we have also to speak a little bit about our structure. So, I'll go on. We have five thousand hectares. One hectare is two point five acre, and uh, these five thousand hectares are managed by five thousand growers. So we have a big advantage that we have a lot of, of hands on a really small small area. And if you teach them uh, correctly, uh, you can obtain a great, great uh, quality of grapes because most, most of, the, of the work is done, is done by hand. And those are the, 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 the farming, starting from, from the, the planting of the vines, uh, starting from the pruning up to the, to the harvest, and also the, 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 the way how we work. It's very, it's very sustainable, so very close to the nature. Because finally, <laughs> our job should be to, to put uh, what you see. Uh, if you take a picture of the beautiful Alps, uh, if you take a picture of the of the nice vineyards here, 
uh, I always say I want you to squeeze this picture and then put it in the bottle. So you have also on one side to respect the nature, understand the nature, mm. and then you can also get out the maximum from the from the grapes and uh, produce wines that respect fully the terroir and, uh, and, uh, and the philosophy of the winery. That's wonderful. I'm going to ask you, Wolfgang, to, to send me two things so we can get it up on the Formula Wolf webpage. Uh, one is a great photograph mm-hmm. of the vineyards and the Alps. That would be great. <laughs> and, uh, and two, a link to your website so that listeners can, can see more in detail about Cotorenzio and, and what you guys are doing. Okay. I will, I will do that. I will do that. Thank you, Wolfgang. Well, Wolfgang, thanks so much for coming on the program and yes. giving people a, an introduction okay. to the Alto Adige. Thank you for being with thank us. Thank you. Thank you and, and Cindy for the invitation. Of course. And look, I hope we, we see us personally soon. Yeah, I look forward to seeing you and your family as, as soon as we can figure out how to get there. Mm-hmm. You know where we are. You know where we are. Oh, yeah. Just a, just a, a beautiful okay. drive up from Verona, honestly. And thank yeah. you for your thank you for your great wines. We 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 love working okay. with them. Thank you so much for your work. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Bye bye. Bye bye. Ciao. 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 Oh. You know, Sin. I think one of the reasons I'm so fond of the Alto Adige is it's just inspiring to see the mountains. And and as Wolfgang was talking about, you know, he wants to put the vineyards and that and the Alps in the bottle. <laughs> uh, that was beautiful the way he said that. But I mean but it, but when the wines are good from good producers there you can taste that for sure. Well and the freshness that that cold, right? The well, cold they, they nights. Well they have cool nights. They've cool nights that that's that's the whole thing is there you know the the mountains are on the north and to the west from where they are and those valleys they they keep reasonably warm daytime temperatures from the Mediterranean. Mm-hmm. But they have the cool nights from being in the in the altitude. The soils are all well drained, so you, if they do a responsible job farming, they just get great fruit to sure. to play with, sure. you know. And that's and that is what goes in the bottle. Oh, and they're cooking. Oh my goodness, the speck that he was talking about. I mean, that's such. I'd never had anything like that. I mean, you can't it's, call that bacon. No, well, it, it's, a, it's, a partic- it's a very it's a very particular kind of prosciutto. I mean, that's mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it. It is a it is a raw ham, you know, just like a. A Parma or like a San Daniele. Cured. Cured ham. Cured ham. But I mean, I, I not cooked. Mm-hmm. Cured. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, just beautiful stuff. That and the um, canoodle. Oh, my gosh. I mean, memories of eating different canoodle everywhere. Can, canoodle with fresh nettles. That's oh, my, my all-time right? favorite oh, springtime. But all the cheeses, all the meats, the all canoodle. The fresh, all the fresh-made cheeses. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's... The pastas that they do serve, which, you know, it's not as the prevalent. The Schlutzkrapfen but... is great. That that stuff, it's not as easy to spell as you think. Schlutzkrapfen. It has a lot more letters. <laughs> I never thought that was easy think. to spell. <laughs> oh, my gosh. And accents we don't always use in English. Right. And so many people think, oh, it's Italy. Well... You hear Wolfgang's yeah. accent. But the Austrian, well, first off, there's mm. only so many guys named Wolfgang who are Italian, and they're all from this area. <laughs> the, the first language of the region is, is, oh, is German. I love his name. Uh-huh. Yeah. It's, <laughs> I mean, he's amazing. The, there's, there's obviously a strong – that was vacation land for the Austrian Empire. They would go there to ski, mm-hmm. and they would go there in the summertime. You know, up in, I, I mean, that's that, – so the, there's many, like, beautiful lodges. There's just series of castles. Yeah. Right on Colterencio's label is like you know one of the ubiquitous castles. Like you know, is is there's like the shadow of it on the on their labels. It's uh, it just to remind you where they are. I think that's one of the things that that he and his dad before him really they, they respect where they are 
and they celebrate it and they try to get it across to people. That's great. And it may not be entirely intuitive, but once it's in your once it's in your blood, once it's in your brain, then mm-hmm. it works out. And for midsummer wines, I love those things. So when we come back on Formula Wolf on food and wine, I'm gonna ask Cindy for that that menu inspired by her vacation in Provence. And then a little chef challenge. A little chef challenge. All of that and more on the Formula Wolf on Food and Wine. back to Foreman Wolf on Food and Wine. I'm Tony Foreman. And Chef Cindy Wolf. And Cindy, it's time it's time to hear what the product of your vacation was. What is your inspiration mm. coming back? Mm-mm-mm. Let's say you, you, you so, have people coming to dinner. Mm-hmm. You want to make a, a meal. Where did you go? Uh, I was in the Southern Rhone Valley and very close to Chardonnay to Pop in a little town called Rochegude and um, also visited a lot of the villages very close by. And went down uh, as far south as Avignon to okay. go to the Papal so, Palace. So, so Provencal, northern Provencal cuisine, not coastal cuisine. Right, not so. Coast. So it's about clues, basically. Vaucluse, yeah. Vaucluse, and one of the things I had that was just absolutely brilliant, and I'm going to try and make it today, was a tart that had girol on it, mm-hmm. snail butter. That's how girol, the chef. Girol, sort of like. Baby chanterelles. Chanterelles are sort of looked down on other chanterelles. Yeah, yeah, they're little baby chanterelles, basically. Marvelous mushrooms. Yeah, they're they're perfect little yellow, tiny little cute mushrooms. So the tart was made with sablé dough, but he put reggiano. He put cheese in it. It was either parmigiano or reggiano or whatever. But it was it was oh, it was so good, and the it was so just a of circle like, of dough. So it so was sort of like a, sort of like a savory parmigiano cookie. Yes. With the uh, with the so it, yeah with on top. butter eggs flour Reggiano and it, it, it melt it 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 barely held I'm so excited I can't speak it was so good uh, it barely held together and then on top of that were the girol and and then he put more Reggiano or Parmigiano whatever it was and um and then he put um, snail butter on top. It was so rich. It was so by, gorgeous. By snail it was, butter, you mean butter with garlic and parsley? Right. Well, yeah, and Chef called it that. He was like, I use my snail butter. I'm like, okay, so Chef. So li- literally, <laughs> literally, because it's not butter that snails made. No. Yeah. So it's butter, right, butter with chopped garlic and <laughs> parsley in it and a little salt and pepper. And That sounds great. It sounds oh like gosh, you desperately need a bottle so of really good, good merceau. Oh. Well, I drank oh, red yeah. wine with it, but gotcha. I believe you. Of course. Well, you know, what can I say? We're in Chateauneuf, so we're near Chateauneuf. But, um, yeah, so so Merceau, all right. Um, and he had slices of summer truffle, which this chef is, is Guy Julien, and he, the name of the restaurant is La Beaugraviere, and it's in Mondragon, uh, which is a very tiny village uh, not too far from Chateauneuf. And um, he is really an amazing he's, – he's a brilliant chef from the standpoint that his food is very down-to-earth and very 
beautiful, but very rustic and um, very full of flavor and very fresh. Um, I, we were there for six nights and in that region, and um, friends of mine were staying at at La Bocrevier, and um, so I would go and get them in the morning. And and what was very cool about that was for the first time being there early in the morning, we got to see his farmers come in and bring him food product, which was really very special. And uh, so I watched the chanterelles come in, and we watched the squab come in and from the farm down the street and it really was and to see chef i mean this this is a a man that works unbelievably hard uh he's there early in the morning until the last guest leaves that night and his wife works the same way and um so it's a very special place and so that course was is is definitely something that if i if i was going to recreate my trip that's the first thing i would serve um and then I've already uh, done one of the other courses I had. I also ate at Paul Bocuse in Lyon, and I had lunch there. And he does a pensard foie gras course with a passion fruit reduction sauce. So it's a, you know, I, I do chicken and veal. I'm not Sharp sure exactly. Sharp and sweet and tangy. Oh, my gosh. And he had gofret potatoes on top of it. And it was it was so beautiful. I, I literally wanted to, and this is a three-star Michelin restaurant. Paul Bocuse has maintained his three Michelin stars consecutively every year since 1965 and chef is now 90 years old and he is one of the greatest chefs of our lifetime in this world he said three stars my entire life that is unbelievable i mean he is unbelievable and it's a long time and madame bocuse <laughs> oh my gosh madame bocuse came to our table and i of course being me i started i burst into tears when she came to the table and it, she, she something was mean? no, she just was there. I can't, I'm like she's got to be 90 years old too, and here she is standing in front of me, going to every table in the restaurant and saying good 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 afternoon and and how are you and just oh my gosh, it, it's just such an inspiration to go there and their kitchen is beautiful and to get to see how it operates um, you can walk by and look into the kitchen and and I was fortunate enough to uh, go into the kitchen and, and talk to the executive chef and the, the sous chef and have my photograph taken with them and um, every person in that kitchen stopped working when I went into the kitchen it was it was, it's just this the this, this show of respect for for the guest or for I don't know if it was for me as a chef I don't know if that's how they treat you know what they do but um, it was it was amazing it was an amazing experience and that lunch was really one that I will remember for the rest of my life um, the other dish that I would like to recreate in my home is is his is his whole chicken and the pig's bladder which um, you know has uh, Truffle underneath the skin. It's a beautiful chicken, and um, and 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 is. I'm then, afraid you have to wait for winter time for this. I know. So then the next course I would do is just because we are in summertime um, after the tart, and this may seem a little bit vegetable-y, but we just have mushrooms. So I would like to make a zucchini heirloom tomato uh, gratin, and so in a beautiful gratin dish, then layers of of, of fresh zucchini. Heirloom tomatoes, salt, pepper, a little bit of garlic, shallot, rosemary, a little bit of thyme, um, great extra virgin olive oil. Just slice everything and layer it yep. into the gratin dish. And you can choose to put cheese in or not. Um, you know, I might put Reggiano, excuse me, Reggiano in, or I might put um, a little bit of goat cheese, or I might not put any cheese at all. Um, but the the inherent the, the 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 juice from the tomato and that great extra virgin olive oil will mingle with all of those herbs and will produce something that is. Uh, can be very brilliant because of the quality and freshness of the product. 
How long would you put something like that in the oven? I would not put it in very long. Um, so at, in a 350-degree oven, if it was, let's say, four to five layers of, of, of product, I'd probably only leave it in there 20 to 25 minutes. So you're literally just getting it warm. Yes. And once you start to see a bubble, take it out. Um, and let it, you know, rest a moment and, and eat it. Um, and you're seasoning every slice as you lay it in there. Exactly. And a little bit of oil in between all the layers as well, but don't ever do it. Um, but that, that is definitely... I think i a little, a little breadcrumb and a little Reggiano on top of that guy. Sure, that sure. sounds good mm, to me. That's a perfectly beautiful thing to do. Um, and then, I, 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 it, since we can't do the chicken, um, I, I really would like to do lamb with artichokes. And I think this is partly because it is so Provencal. Um, and also, I'd really like to add Niçoise, Nion, excuse me, Nion olives to it, or I would just use Niçoise oh, olives. I love Nion olives. Oh, my gosh. So do I. And, and They're I, strong, we, but I love strong olives. So. And we took a day. can take it. We took a day trip to Nion, and um, just to actually see the landscape and the the low hills and to see all of those beautiful trees and to see the everything else that was growing in those valleys um, really was a, it's a beautiful place and they have a, a wonderful little village that you can visit and they do have market day in Neil and that's the day you should go there um, I think that's to me that's really what's important about your trip is that you you base your day trips on what day is market day. So if the market's, uh, you know, on Thursday on Vaison La Romaine, then you go to Vaison La Romaine that day. Just be aware that you're going to have a hard time parking. Um, but short of that, it, there's no excuse and no reason not to go on market day. You're going to see beautiful things, and hopefully you can buy some of it. You know, maybe you rented a home for this trip, uh, and um, or you just, you know, I've taken food back to my hotel room so and had a little take- picnic in my hotel room where it's, you know, cured meats and smoked meats and cheeses. And I pick up a bottle of olive oil and we get a couple of bottles of wine and some great bread and some pastry. And, you know, those are all things you can have a wonderful time with. And and actually, speaking of picnics, um, on the trip, we we also we went up to Suzette and to Bum de Venise and um, and had a, a picnic on the way back down from from Suzette. Uh, so so uh, but that that is my that's my Provencal trip and and the lamb course with fresh artichokes and neo olives. I would I would very simply dress that with extra virgin olive oil, gently roast the leg or or whatever cut of lamb you're doing. Uh, maybe you're going to grill the chops instead. But I, I kind of feel like I want to roast something with a lot of herbs on it, rosemary, thyme, maybe even a little bit of lavender. Perhaps roast the leg or. Um, tie it with uh, uh, the herbs and have a little bit of garlic and shallot in the pan too. That's, that sounds, I mean, uh, the preparation sounds great. It's funny. I, I want to use a, a, a lamb breast or a lamb shoulder mm-hmm. to do the same kind of thing, but do a very slow roast. Sure. I yeah. think would be a fun one. Mm-hmm. I'm also thinking of Argentina still in my head right now, and it's like you could start that in the oven and then finish it in the embers. And sure. Mm-hmm. Anyway. All right. You ready for Chef's Challenge? Sure. We've got to do a quick one. Okay. I wrote it incredibly neatly. Oh, my gosh. There's there's a lot of... Okay. It's a lot of stuff. Three quarters of a... I'm par- being generous. Why is it three quarters of a partridge? No, it's three or four oh. partridge. <laughs> three quarters of partridge. That took his <laughs> left wing off. That's strange. Okay. Wow. Um, polenta. I ate the wing. <laughs> polenta, white corn, sweet red peppers, jalapenos, golden beets, manchego cheese, dandelion greens, garlic, wax beans... Oh, yellow watermelons, yum. Fresh goat's cheese, extra virgin olive oil, blackberries, dairy pantry, and garden at my disposal. Partridge. Mm. Roasting that, leaving it on the bone. Um, 
and have pre-roasted pre-roasted the golden beets. I'm going to add those to the roasting pan with the partridge near the end of the cooking. Um, and actually, I may put the peppers in there too. Beets and peppers, interesting. I don't think I've ever put that together before. Um, and a little that bit sounds of good. a little bit of garlic, whole garlic in the cavity of the bird as it's roasting. And I need herbs, so you say have the garden. So I, I think with with those things going on, which are kind of interesting, um, I would put just a tiny bit of rosemary inside the bird. Um, obviously, heavy yeah, salt and pepper. Strong. Yeah. And then uh, just slow cook the polenta with uh, cream and a little bit of salt and pepper. And that is definitely going with that partridge and those vegetables. Um, the, the cheese, the dandelion. Okay, so the dandelion greens, um, definitely with the – I think the corn would be great with it because dandelion greens are bitter. So roast the corn in the husk, cut it off the cob, and toss it in with the greens um, and the wax beans. And actually, I would do uh, like a large dice of the yellow watermelon and put that in there too. The goat's cheese, toss it all with the extra. Okay, everything is here. Add the blackberries as well. Why not? So blackberries. I know how to shop. Yeah, you do. (laughs) Um, And the only thing I missed was manchego. And honestly, I would just do that as a cheese course and probably in the beginning. Manchego is pretty salty, and it really isn't a strongly flavored cheese. It makes a good hors d'oeuvre cheese. Um, A good table cheese. mm -hmm, Yeah. mm -hmm. And um, I think I did it. You just need a couple bottles of Rioja to knock out those guinea fowl. That no, not the guinea fowl. The, the three-quarter partridge. Sake. The three-quarters <laughs> of a partridge. I'm using three-quarters of my brain to name birds. All right. What you got for me? There you go. I hope you shopped as, as wonderfully well for me as I did for you. I'm sure I did better. <laughs> I'm sure or it cost not. more. Or not. Sure oh, well, yeah. More, you yeah. know one of the ingredients uh-huh. on there. <laughs> twine. How expensive was the twine? The twine was Leg cheap. of lamb. Twine. The twine course. <laughs> Heirloom tomatoes, French green lentils, garlic, rosemary, thyme, onion, shallots, provencal, extra virgin olive oil, shrimp, heads on, corn, zucchini, wood for the fire, uh, summer truffle, curly endive. All right. This is an easy one because it's a – the first course is just a, a sautéed the, shri- the heads on shrimp and served with the the corn, the zucchini. Uh, the summer truffle, almost like as a as a salad, and uh, and use sweet shallots to use shallots that you sweated to make that all very sweet first, and then the heads on shrimp served with that on a bed of that. That's an easy one. Um, the heirloom tomatoes, I just want to lay out uh, with the onions and the curly endive and the extra virgin olive oil from Provence. And if I had a few oil oil cured olives, I can't mm-hmm. say that. Mm-hmm. I would sort of dot them on there, but. That's a strong, happy side dish for a hot day. The lamb leg, obviously I want to tie it, and I'm going to go hunting for some garlic. <laughs> and uh, I'm going to use, well, the garlic, the rosemary, the thyme for the lamb leg. I'm going to pull that apart a bit. I'm mean, hoping it's on the bone, but I want to pull those muscles apart a little bit and get good salt and oil and mm-hmm. herbs and, mm-hmm. and, and chop garlic into all of the parts of that lamb leg. I'm going to start that on a pretty hot fire to get it to sear on the outside. And the twine, and what I'd rather do with the twine is hang it over a fire that I built. There you go. So I gave uh, you the wood. Yeah. Good. And uh, and literally hang that guy from the the hoof end. That would be great. And let it let it get let let that fire get down to just embers and let it cook for a long time and get that to somewhere like the medium to medium well range, um, where you rest it to almost room temperature. 
and you have the green lentils that you did as a as a simple garnish with a little bit of garlic and that then you need something to drink then you need your shatun of the pop there you go you know? seems like a good idea yeah no question well, I think that's all we have time for. I'm from the Wolf on Food and Wine. I'm Tony Foreman. And Chef Cindy Wolf. If you'd like to download this episode or any others, please look for our podcasts on the Foreman and Wolf page on the WYPR website, wypr.org. If you want to email us, it's foremanwolf at wypr.org. Or if you want to follow Chef Cindy Wolf on social media. You can follow me on Twitter at Chef Cindy Wolf or on Instagram, Chef Wolf. Thanks so much for listening and have a great Sunday.